What's up? It's Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports, and I'm super excited for this podcast because live in studio, yeah, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. Seth Shapiro, CEO of Diesel Films. Seth, how you doing today, my friend? Good. Good to have you in the office, man. Yes. It's nice to finally uh, put a face with a voice and a name. Yes. So we did a podcast together two plus years ago yeah. i connected with you on linkedin and i may actually redistribute that on the sports marketing huddle feed uh again and i'm in nice. la for the day and i wanted to stop by and see you and at least introduce myself because i believe in the power of building relationships but i felt yeah. it was a great opportunity for us to jam and what we were actually just talking about is creating an internal podcast or at least for your company and can you give a quick overview on sort of what your company does which will help us frame the rest of the conversation yeah i mean diesel films um you know we started as a production company working with you know television sports television companies like the nfl network and espn uh kind of branched out started doing work with nike um, we worked with uninterrupted um, we worked with a variety kind of, of different companies so uh yeah so the traditional you know we're a traditional production company but now it's evolved into a you know content creation company and doing ton of social media um ton of internet you know related content facebook twitter instagram um so the way i've set this up is really as a team so when, when you look at you know uh like the la clippers la lakers they have a video department we've set this up as kind of like a team of, of creatives and like a, a basically a partner to these bigger brands. Um, so we have editors, we have cameramen, we have shooters, we have um, coordinators, you know, we have myself who, who is the gatekeeper to everything. And um, yeah, we're just really a, a great um, team member. What we like to think of ourselves um, to these bigger brands. So you work on this high end stuff and we talked about, you said, Hey, we need to be creating a podcast, but we're not currently. And I want to jam a little bit about why not and sort of the struggles or limitations because you guys, what inspires me so much about what you do is it is the best of the best. Like when I see your work, I'm like, they straight crush it. Yeah. And, I, and I love that. I love the highest form of storytelling and content creation. But yeah. the beauty of podcasting is actually the authenticity and rawness of it and actually the lack of perfection, which can be a challenge for a company like yours. When you do stuff so well, you have this new standard exactly. of this is the way that we do it. So yeah. share a little insight into sort of that dynamic of how that works for you. Yeah. I mean, just coming from that network background, um, everything we've done is, you know, with a decent budget and, with the best cameras and everything has to look, you know, pristine and, and, and pretty and put together, you know, real nice. So the expectations that we've created for ourselves are very high. So, you know, when it comes to, um, <clears throat> social media, obviously the user generated content is going to do better than, you know, that high end content. Um, a home video of my family is going to do better than anything that we could put out um with a u.s women's national team commercial or anything like that so um so yeah it's really just coming to grips with the fact that and i've had to do it you know in the last couple of years that you know what you do on social media doesn't have to be perfect it actually needs to have some rough edges it needs to you know not be it needs to just be authentic and not be as polished as what we're used to and i remember the first podcast i did record 
um, I went into it like I was interviewing, um, you know, Russell Wilson or I was going to interview uh, Dak Prescott or somebody like that. And I had like a list of questions. I put a lot of like research into it and I was like, man, this is kind of a lot of work. And I was like, what, what you know, would it be worth it for me to do that? And so we, we haven't done one yet, but that's pretty much kind of the reason why, which we, we should be doing one. How do you bring the element of higher performance, social media friendly, less polished to high end stuff? So mm-hmm. the high end stuff, I never know who creates it. You're like, oh, this is just, it's from Fox or it's from NFL Network. And you're like, oh, this is just amazing. But you said it, this stuff about your family or the, the more raw stuff performs better. So the marketer in me says, well, wait a second, we've got sort of two conflicting things here. This looks the best, but this one performs the best. So how can you find that comfortable medium in what you do, even though I have to assume the goals are different? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just different. Like if you're creating for network television and it's a pregame show um, for NFL Network or Fox, like that's a different type of level of quality, a polished quality that people are going to be expecting. But if you're creating for social media, you're probably better off just taking your iPhone and filming it, you know, yourself. Um, selfie video is better. Like anything user generated, I feel like on social media is going to outperform like anything polished, unless it's like something amazing that you know goes viral. But you know, those are, those are few and far between what, when we're talking, so about- I think, well, just real quick on that. And I think so for us, it's just coming to grips with, okay, we have this level of, you know, content. Like we do the U S open film right now for, for the USGA and Fox. And then we're doing something for Disney plus, and that's all, you know, the top end cameras and big budget and stuff like that. Um, but when we're doing out now, our stuff for social media is this more like, crank out, you know, a nine by 16 video, crank out four by five, uh, could just be one shot, could be five shots. Um, we did like a little behind the scenes iPhone video when we went down at chargers camp the other day and that performs great. So, you know, you just gotta, there's a realization and I think it happened, you know, in the last year or two of like, okay, you know, you have to give this your phone or, you know, the lower, you know, what, it, what I would consider the lower end stuff that's you have to give it credibility too because actually on social it's going to perform better what is the big difference or what insight can you glean from the highest end work that you produce there what is the real difference from one thing to another i know you mentioned equipment and obviously there's a difference between an, an iphone and the like a red camera or something like that yeah. but we're talking about your performance and sort of like what makes you great when people are like hey what makes the high end the best like is there not a secret sauce, but like what goes into making it the best? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, I think the reason why the bigger brands like working with us is because what you're going to get on there, what you're going to, what they're going to see for the first time is going to be something that's like very close to the fin to their, to the finished product. And then they're like, wow, this is amazing. Um, this is meeting our expectations. This is our meeting our goals. Um, this is what we had talked about in pre-production. This is what we had storyboarded. And what I'm seeing on the first cut is pretty much done. So what I say is like, I'll get you, I'll get you to the 26 mile. You might have to take it to 0.4 to get it exactly how you want it, you know, as a client. So I think that's what people love about us is in the sense that what they're going to see for the first time is, you know, hopefully, you know, they're going to be kind of blown away. And, you know, we always, we always aim to kind of drive the emotion and give the goosebumps and, you know, and kind of give those feels. How do you build this standard in your team to be able to deliver this level of quality? 
well, they see my expectations, so nothing gets out of here without me looking at it. So I'm just looking at cuts all, you know, all day. I'm looking at social media all day. Um, we post Instagram, you know, Carly and I are going back and forth on that, you know, at night. Um, so, you know, I've tried to let go a little bit of that stuff, but at the end of the day, um, I am the gatekeeper and nothing really can get past me, um, most of the time, you know, without me looking at it, without me giving notes, without me, um, reviewing it. So, you know, it, it, there's a give and take there, but you know, there's definitely a quality that, you know, I've achieved throughout my years and throughout my experience that, um, you know, that, that I have high expectations. And so, you know, I think, you know, they see that, you know, I lead by example, so they, they definitely see that. And then if they don't, they're going to get a lot of notes. <laughs> what fuels your creativity? Uh, I mean, it could be anything. Um, could be working out, could be, you know, spinning on the, on the Peloton, um, could be just middle of the night. Something goes off in my head and I'll write it down on my phone. Um, the NFL, I just was talking to the NFL and they're looking for Super Bowl ideas in Miami. So I was like, you know, that spins it, you know? So sometimes it'll be that outreach, like, Hey, we're looking for concepts, you know, and, um, we're looking for pitches. And if I'm, if I'm a trusted partner, then that'll spin me even more. Or some, sometimes things just come to me throughout the day. I'll write it down. Kind of like when you hear about stand-up co comedians writing stuff down all the time, you know, I'll write stuff down, I'll write stuff down. So, and then we'll figure out what we want to execute on. I'm the exact same way. I've written down every conversation I've had for the last seven years. Yeah. Uh, I, when I listen to podcasts, I take notes. When I watch webinars, I, I take notes. And I think part of it, one, I can't expect that I'm going to remember everything. And ideas, everything I think on the micro, any one idea could be the one. But I also don't expect that it's going to me. Yeah. going to be but i like to at least have that there and actually candidly i believe i need to have a better review process for my ideas so i've got seven years worth of stuff in there and i even have a reminder to say go back through my evernote notes once a month i don't do it yeah but i believe the practice of doing so when you think it and then you write it and you see it that helps at least let it marinate in your brain a little bit more and the ones that are worthy they're just going to keep coming up again and again and again. And you're going to know that you have something special. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I will say the one thing that I love and respect about you getting to meet you a couple of years ago is that, um, your resilience like on social media, like you stick with it, you know, and, and people have asked me over the years, like, how have you kept diesel? You know, a lot of guys, producers, directors, whatever, have like tried to have production companies and, you know, they're not able to like retain clients and, you know, kind of keep that business going. And they're like, they wish they could. And I'm like, I just stuck with it. You know what I mean? So I think you really just got to stick with it and you got to be resilient and you got to kind of be in it to win it. Um, I, you know, there's not one thing we've had obviously successes and challenges throughout the years. Um, but that's one thing I love about you on social, like, because I feel like if you're not getting like, a hundred likes or on Instagram or 25, you know, whatever it may be like on LinkedIn, it, 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 it's easy to just say, you know what, this isn't worth it. Like I'm not getting it, you know? And, but one thing I've noticed about you is that, um, you're posting consistently, you're, you're putting your stuff up all the time. And, you know, I, I love that about you and I respect that about you. And I think that's why we've kind of connected throughout the years. Thank you. I appreciate it. And it yeah. comes down to a quote that is almost a mantra of mine of, 
follow the process, not the prize. And as a creative, so often when I look at what I'm working with brands or people to launch podcasts or videos, so often they want to get into the the sprinkles of it. Like, let's make this all shiny and good. I'm like, wait a second. I got to get you to be able to execute one podcast perfectly every single time without us saying, well, do we re-record the intro after the fact so I can give the preview of what the episode? I'm like, wait a second. At episode 10, we can get to that. And for it, I'm so process-oriented because as a creative, I love to create. It's why I left my previous job to live my dreams of doing this because I want to be a creative and I am a creative. So in order to not worry about the results, because I can't choose who's going to like or listen or download, all I can do is put my best effort out there and say, listen, I showed up again today because one is always greater than zero. And if I can do one episode, one post, I have an opportunity Mm. to connect with someone like you. And that's sort of part of the whole process is how many different times can I do this? How many different ways can I keep this resiliency and consistency going so that I can keep putting myself out there? I'm still in the game. I'm still in the game. I'm still in the game. I'm still growing. I'm still growing. I'm still growing. And oh, by the way, this is what I love to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that attitude. It's just that positive attitude. It's infectious. You know, so to your point, one is better than zero. And then you also don't know when that, that big one could hit, which is kind of the exciting part about it. And, and that's what I love too, is because we'll have like our big months and I'm like, this is kind of why we do it, you know, for, for different reasons, but you know, those reasons count as well. <laughs> and that's also why you prepare. So when talent meets opportunity, that's when you capitalize off of it. Cause the last thing that you want is to not be prepared for that time when someone brought this awesome campaign and you're like, Oh my God, I wasn't ready for this. Right. And, and so often in the building of a business and, and certainly I'm sure you've had this, the times in which you've landed a campaign that actually scared you a little bit where you're like, we've actually never done this before and I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but guess what? How do you grow? Yeah. The answer is you grow by saying yes and doing it. And I even remember, uh, me having to shift the way that I thought where I became the producer and not the content creator where I've worked with video teams to document experiences and then I'm working with the editors and I'm so used to being either the talent or I'm creating and doing the all-in-one thing but sometimes you just have to take it on and learn and then all of a sudden once you do it you're like shit we can do this now moving forward yeah yeah pretty much Um, I mean, now that we're doing like so much social media stuff, that's like a big emphasis for us is to kind of show people and show companies like, hey, what we're doing for social media, um, we can do for you as well, which we started to do. We have have PSI Sports, which we do their daily content creation. One of the um, their big baseball agency. I mean, they got Aaron Judge. They got Colton Wong. They got um, Scott Kingery. So they're big. So we started doing that for them. And that's uh, that's our first kind of social media client. Um, daily, but, um, yeah, opportunity that one, that's true too, is because, um, yeah, I always felt like I'm an opportunist, but you know, it's being like, I always tell kids and younger people, it's like, you gotta be at the, you gotta be at the right place at the right time. You know what I mean? But you gotta put yourself in that position. Um, so I've always felt like I'm an opportunist. Like when opportunities come, be ready to knock it down and be ready to take it, you know? So that's always happened like throughout my whole life, you know, just like different things. But PSI sports is kind of a good one. Um, I was on the plane back from Miami from the MLB all-star game. It was like a couple of years ago. And, um, I was sitting next to, uh, Marco Gutierrez, who's, um, 
he works for PSI Sports. So we started, so a real cool guy started talking. It was after the All Star game, like the next day or whatever, and we started just started chopping it up about the game and sports and just about everything. And he's like, "Oh, I work for PSI, which is Aaron Judge, and he takes care of Aaron." And uh, and he's and I was like, "Oh, this is what you know. We do production. You know, we do this for the NFL. We just did this with Mahomes. We just you know whatever." And he was all into it. He's like, "Oh, that's cool." We had just recently done a, a agency sizzle for IHC sports, which is a, a sports agency out of Cleveland that represents offensive linemen. So we did a series for Ford with Pat Elfline, uh, who's a Remington award winner at Ohio state now plays for the Vikings and Kyle Kalis, who was out of Michigan, uh, who's now on the Browns. Um, so it was like a Ford truck, um, a draft series. So coming out of that, IHC sports was like, Hey, can you build a sizzle for us, a recruiting sizzle? So when we go and talk to players, we have something to play with, play for them. So it was like, they had uh, David Bakhtiari. They had, um, who's the Nate Solder. They had some big guys. So, so they did, we did a testimonial video for them that they could go out recruiting. So I was telling, I was telling Marco, Hey, you know, we could do a sizzle for you guys. So when you you're going to recruit your high school kids, or you're, you know, 14, 15 year olds, you have a video to show them that, you know, of what you guys provide as the agency. So, it, so some talks went on for a while. They're, they're out here up in Ventura. And then we finally got on the phone with, um, with their director of operations. And he was like, and I was pitching him on the sizzle. And he was like, he was like, Oh, sizzle. He's like, that's cool. Like didn't sound that into it. And I was like, uh, he's like, but I want you guys to do our social media. And we were like, that's not something we've ever done before, like daily content creation, but Carly's great at social media. Um, it's definitely something we could have handled. So, so we're like, sure. And then we just kind of pitched them and worked it out. Um, and we do their daily, daily social media. So that's just one where, you know, being ready to take advantage of that opportunity of something you've never done before, but you have the capability to do it. So, you know, we do it and, and we did it and we're looking to expand on that. And daily social media is a different game because it's about literally constant engagement and you have to show up every day or on a consistent basis yeah. and they're interesting because since they're an agency they can't really have they don't really want community engagement just because there's a lot of dads and parents out there that are trying to hit them up like hey can you look at my son and there's like rules with the mlbpa and stuff like that but as far as celebrating their 80 players that are mixed in through the minors and majors we're doing that every day um and we gave them a consistent clean look and we do you know really cool videos and we ended up doing a media day for them so uh, it ended up like working out really well and it's something i love so speaking of social media, one of the ways that you and I have been able to stay in touch is actually both Twitter and Instagram. And especially on Twitter, it's fantasy football season right now. Yeah. And I know that I love you, Twitter. You, I love Twitter because you can step into the sports bar any day, <laughs> anytime you want. It's like when you're ready for it, you step in and it's like going to a sports bar, going to a speakeasy and you just start chatting it up with every, with a, you know, a bunch so of So I'm curious on your mindset for how you use social media. Um, man, everything's different. So Instagram, I have my personal private account, which is really mostly my kids. And then that goes up to Facebook as well, which is also like mostly my kids. I don't mix too much work stuff in there. Cause I feel like it's just not, I don't know. I don't want to like mix everything together. And then the thing about me is like, I'm always promoting diesel. So I, I don't really post too much personally, um, work related stuff besides LinkedIn. Obviously LinkedIn is great for that, but LinkedIn is kind of like, so yeah, so Instagram, my personal account, um, which is most of my kids, that's private. And that goes to my Facebook, which is most friends and family. Um, 
uh, LinkedIn uh, uh, does great. I love it um, for business engagement and just like putting our content out there. And I'm I'm way more out. All my business stuff, all my work stuff, all diesel films, creative stuff is LinkedIn. Um, as far as Instagram, um, everything pretty much is through like diesel films as far as the company goes. I have my Seth CEO account, but I, I was going to do a timeline of like my whole career, which I still haven't been, I haven't, I, I kind of put it on hold. Um, but I try to, everything is kind of promoted more through diesel. So it's more as a company. Um, so I put, we put more attention in that, which Carly runs. Um, LinkedIn is great for engagement, um, for business engagement, all my work stuff, all the stuff we do with the NFL, all the stuff we do with, you know, U.S. Women's National Team, EA, Electronic Arts, um, all those type of stuff. I'll, I'll kind of float that stuff up through there. And then since it's NFL 100, we've, I've done so much cool stuff like over the last couple months um, in the NFL. So all that stuff like does really well on LinkedIn. Twitter, uh, Twitter's just like fun account. Um, I have to be a little careful because I'm kind of, you know, I'm not afraid to um, voice my opinion. So there's a lot of people out there that uh, can be sensitive as well. So, you know, I've had a couple of run-ins on Twitter. So that's a little, it's a little, it's a little sketchy sometimes just because of like the field we're in and social media sports and business and production and that sort of thing. So, but Twitter is kind of like the fun NBA Twitter, love the fancy football chatter. Uh, I love Twitter. I think it's hilarious. Um, my boy is King Josiah at King Josiah. He's like big on NBA Twitter. Um, so he's the man on that, like doing skits and all that stuff. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. And then, you know, diesel diesel is the main, main hub is on Instagram. Um, our Twitter, we did like a Rapino election video that did pretty well on Twitter, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to like, kind of filter through all the different platforms yeah i assume you got into a big argument over who you would take number one overall uh mccaffrey or barkley or mm. camara or if zeke were ever to get back there yeah N nothing like disrupting business over fantasy football chatter so yeah we will get to the fantasy football i like barkley there Porsche. Like barkley all right, so what do you like about Barkley? Because I would actually take McCaffrey number one overall if given the choice because I prefer the Panthers' offense over the Giants, even though I know Barkley has talent plus opportunity. Yeah, uh, I just think the workload's going to be there. I love his talent. I love his uh, breakaway speed. I love that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think they're going to feed that horse. Uh, to hopefully, hopefully he stays up for – 16 games, but, uh, I think they're going to feed him. Um, I think they're going to feed him a lot. And I, I just love that kid. You know, I love his talent. I love his breakaway speed, the long runs, the explosive plays. I love, I love McCaffrey too. Don't get me wrong, but to me, he's not a number one pick. So when looking at your strategy this year, yeah. do you have anything that like, for example, I draft running back heavy because I believe in the depth at wide receiver and it even, uh, materialized out for me in the first draft that I did. Robert Woods ended up being my number one receiver. And there's an auction draft, so you sort of have to take it with a grain of salt because it's not just straight snake. But then I was able to load it up with like four number two or threes with upside. And I saw that the depth at running back later is much more challenging. So yeah. running back heavy and I'm waiting on quarterbacks. I'm curious what your strategy is. Yeah. Um, I think once you get past like the top 
six, seven running backs, it gets a little murky. So I feel like you got to, you have to go running back. The leagues I play in are a little different. Um, they're keeper leagues. And then you could, so there's already 12 players, you know, off the board. Um, so you're looking at, you know, you're looking at one, one round back basically. So you're drafting not necessarily all the time, but you have to look at, you know, second round of draft in the first round, third round of draft in the second round type thing. And then the other thing is, is you can trade draft picks. So if you're out of the, if you're out of the league, if you're like start off the season, zero and four, like last year, I think I drafted Dalvin cook and Leonard Fournette both got hurt. I started the season one and four. It was like, I might as well sell. So I sold. So then this year, you know, I have two number ones. I have two number twos. I have a third. I have two fives. My last picks like in the 11th round. So I should be stacked. But with that being said, so I have two and 10. So at 10, um, at, you know, where obviously you have great number one receivers. I feel like you got to take, you have to kind of take your, your, the best running back there. Because I think once you get past like a James Conner, um, you fall into like the Dalvin cooks, the carry on Johnson's, uh, I love Damian Williams, but I like him in the third round. You know what I mean? So you, you get into that, you get in that running back situation where it's like, I'm not trusting Dalvin cook again. I'm not trusting carry on Johnson. Uh, I just feel like there's a bunch of guys that you, you know, you don't, um, that you can't really trust in that mid tier running back. So, you know, I like a guy like a James Conner, you know, or in Mixon, Mixon is close to that, but I like Conner over Mixon, obviously because of the better team, better offense, better offensive line. I like what's going on in Pittsburgh this year without the AB drama. Um, so Connor, I feel like is there in the back end of the first round. I think you got to take them because I feel like to your point, there's more depth at wide receiver. And in the mid second round, you're still, there's still a chance for a Tyreek Hill. There's still a chance for Juju. Um, Mike Evans. I like, you know, I think you can get those guys in the mid of the late second round. So, um, yeah, I think you, you to me, you got to go running back. Cause once if Dalvin cooks your number one running back, you know, who knows what's going to happen. One of the biggest challenges I face, and I've got three more drafts remaining, is what do you do with Leonard Fournette? So last year, I That's did horrible because I typically, I batch draft. So when I'm in four leagues, I have a similar strategy for all of them. So I have a lot of the same players because people are like, how do you root for all these different people? Well, I try and draft the same ones traditionally, so I make an opinion, and I'm either right or wrong. The problem was I was very wrong on Leonard Fournette last year. Yeah. But so often fantasy owners get burned one year and then they don't draft him the next. And it's the post-hype sleeper philosophy. So if I loved Leonard Fournette last year at number six or seven overall, why would I not want to dive down there again? And I know many Mike Evans owners have been burned by this when there's elements of inconsistency. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Leonard Fournette this year? Because I feel very uncomfortable drafting him. But at the same time, my fantasy knowledge from the years of playing, I know if I was on someone, so another person would be Royce Freeman this year. I want nothing to do with Denver's offense. It's garbage. Yeah. However, I liked Royce Freeman was a high draft pick in a high volume run offense. So I could see the opportunity there. So that's another player where I'll be targeting him late, but what are your thoughts on sort of the Fournette type players? Yeah. I mean, Fournette um, definitely burned me last year, you know, rough season. Um, I mean, I kind of group him in that Dalvin cook area where they've kind of, they've been injury prone, you know, and you know, it's risky, but I don't look at him as an RB one, but if you can snag him as an RB two, you know, fourth round, uh, Fournette sitting there. Um, 
you know, I think that, you know, I like them. Um, I think that offense is going to have challenges. I think, I think Jacksonville is going to have challenges this year, the middle of their defense, uh, with Telvin Smith gone, uh, they lost Barry church. They lost their other safety. Um, Gibson was it Tayshawn Gibson. They lost Gibson. So I feel like the middle of that defense is going to have a lot of issues. I think they're going to give up a lot of points on the middle of that defense offensively. I mean, full, I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So Foles could be throwing, uh, they got Westbrook on the outside. Uh, we haven't seen much from shark yet. So, I mean, I think Jacksonville is going to have a rough year to be honest with you. Um, just with, with kind of the way I'm seeing that middle of the defense being emptied out um safety with telvin smith kind of you know leaving the game um i think they're gonna have issues so fournette's sketchy i'm not worried about him yet but in my other league um if he is there like for you know i'm looking at him like maybe in the fourth round you know i think i think that's a good play i mean i think he's gonna get um he should be getting around 250 250 plus carries this year if he doesn't get hurt the ankles have been a problem I mean, the ankles have been a problem since, I think, LSU. Well, yeah, just staying on the field, yeah. whether it's injuries or just boneheadedness, where they're like, Leonard Fournette's not playing this week, and you're like, what in the world is going on here? Yeah. And and remember, they drafted him, I believe, in the top 10. Yeah. So this is only his third year in the league. Yeah. So he is a high-pedigree talent, yeah. so you can't let these things jade you, and that's the hardest thing for fantasy owners. Well, actually, you told me last year – um, last year after the season, you were like, take notes on the guys that you, that, that, you know, you, you either really like, or you don't like, and remember that. And I actually took that to heart. So guys like Dalvin cook, guys like Fournette. I remember last year I d drafted like stupidly drafted like Demarius Thomas in like the fifth round. Like he was a bus, um, just guys like that. Um, Sammy Watkins. I'll never draft Sammy Watkins ever, ever again in my life. You know, like guy like that. He's just horrible. And but you'll still see him like as a WR two. You know, and you're like, how could Sammy Watkins like do not draft Sammy Watkins? Because you see the opportunity in Kansas City's offense. You're like, oh my god, he's a yeah. first round pick. He's so fast. Yeah. And in that tip, and we'll we'll and say trash. it again at the end of the fantasy season. Write down just some thoughts and notes of the players because yeah. after four months you're not going to remember what you felt yeah but you can look at the the philip Lindsay's the world the, the people who have the the high momentum at the time but right now philip Lindsay, it's sort of like eh. yeah no. so you, you sort of it's a great way to capstone it to really help future fantasy you yeah and i, I think the issue i think it's funny. I know you, you'd mentioned Damian Williams. Like I love Damian Williams because we do a fantasy playoffs and he's people are like, Oh, he only played like four games. I go, no, he tore it up in the playoffs too. <laughs> I go, that offense is ridiculous. He played great. There was no drop off from Kareem hunt. Uh, Williams uh, played fantastic. I don't see any drop off from him. I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a big year again and he's not, you know, he's been um, a durable player. So I like Damian Williams. I love Damian Williams. I and I like um, I like Lindsey. I mean, Lindsey did nothing last year to tell you that he's not going to do the exact same thing this year, unless right. Flacco hurts him because he doesn't throw out, he doesn't throw his running backs. But I don't think that'll be the case. And it comes to who you've owned. You have a different relationship with because if you've owned Damian Williams, you got to experience what it was like to own Damian Williams. Yeah, and we we know what it was like to own Leonard Fournette. So on yeah. both ends of the spectrum. That's why I find it so important when you find the guys, you're like, man, this is a fun, a phenomenal relationship. Damian Williams was the best because he carried you in the playoffs. Yeah, he was fantastic. I mean, what, six to eight catches a game, uh, 80 plus yards receiving. He give you 80, 
80, 75 plus with a touchdown running. I mean, what more do you want out of that, of that RB? And if you could get him as an RB too, great. You know, so I, I love Damon Williams. I think he's going to have a big year at the Kansas City. Uh, this could be their year. So let this podcast be an example of how relationships can be built. So we've spanned talking about high-end video production to social media marketing to fantasy football yes. to connecting over podcasts. Can we and, talk a little hard knocks? Or, or, yes, or, let's talk hard knocks. Talk. We'll end on this. What do you want to talk about with hard knocks? Uh, Derek Carr's muscle shirts, tank tops. <laughs> I mean, he even. I just worry about quarterbacks that always wear tank tops, and even his jersey is almost like a tank top. Like, what is up with that, with Derek Carr's tank tops? I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? So, I mean, what are your thoughts and about this is, So, this is a non-Florida State in the 90s cool. Because remember Florida State back in the day used to have those cut-off yeah. jerseys? Dion, Dion Deion Sanders. Dion and Amp Lee. Yeah. And- Charlie Ward didn't wear a cut-off jersey. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, that, those were the Terrell Buckley days. You know what I mean? But that worries me when a quarterback's wearing the tank top all the time. So... I am out on the Raiders as a whole because I understand the principles of success, which certainly you know as a Patriots fan, of what it takes to be successful over the regular season and in the playoffs. And culture is number one. There is no culture in Oakland. It's terrible. As you see with what's going on with Antonio Brown, they sign Vontez Perfect. They sign Richie Incognito. And what you're seeing right now is just an element of disruption. You, you look at Derek Carr, yeah. and where would we rank him in the list of quarterbacks? It, realistically, it's probably in the bottom third. And I even heard, I think it's probably GMFB was talking about it, uh, when he's like, oh, yeah, I've been in all these big games. Yeah. But what were the big games that Derek Carr has ever been in? So he doesn't have the experience. I know. Uh, he doesn't fire me up as the – as the viewer in terms of rah-rah as, as the leader, and there's different ways to lead. Obviously, uh, Brady, Eli Manning, Ben, like Rogers, there's a lot of different ways. But for me, he's just not my jam on top of everything in Oakland not being my jam. Yeah. It just worries me, quarterbacks that are wearing <laughs> tank tops all the time and even their jerseys with the shoulder pads is like a tank top, and he's like showing off his arms. Because um, I, I feel like you don't see that from the other top quarterbacks. I mean, he's not in the he's not in the top half of quarterbacks. If you look at you know sixteen, he's probably not. He's probably from sixteen to thirty two. If anything, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what to think about him. Um, I do love I do love me some Brent Musburger on the on the Raiders play by play. Of course, preseason. I mean, that's like a total step up for like preseason football. That love got me Brent. fired up. I love I love me some Brent Musburger on the Raiders uh, preseason play by play. Uh. I mean, that's a nice touch. Oh, very much so. That that elevates Hard Knocks, I, I feel like. Well, of course. This, I mean, this is the perfect storm for Hard Knocks. John Gruden, Antonio Brown, Mike Mayock. I'm curious. Yeah. Over, under, one and a half years for Antonio Brown on the Oakland Raiders. Or the Los Angeles Raiders? Which one are they? Uh, No. Well, they're Oakland this year. Okay, and Oakland, it'll be Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Las Vegas next over, year. Under one and a half years well, for I was going to say over, under... Over under ten games, like over under the season. You know, I, I mean, I'm not sure what the outcome's going to be. I'm not sure what the outcome. I mean, what is your what is your opinion on on, on the situation? So, being a Steelers fan, mm. I could not be more out on Antonio Brown, and 
he was without question the number one receiver in football over the last five years. He's just he was an incredible thing. But he's turned into Terrell Owens, and Terrell Owens was a high-end talent, but he let the locker room and the outside stuff really cloud his judgment in everything around him, and it brought the teams down. He was such a disruption. And I actually thought this week, I'm looking forward to when I see the headline, the Oakland, the, the Oakland Raiders have traded Antonio Brown to the Washington Redskins. Because I was thinking, what team would be desperate enough to trade yeah. for Antonio Brown? It would be Daniel Snyder and the Redskins because they are equally a train wreck with nothing else going on there. And I just don't see this being they a happy They have nobody ending. on the outside. No, because Antonio Brown just – his focus, at least externally, is not on the performance of the game, which got him here. He was this uh, Central Michigan guy, sixth or seventh rounder. Yeah. No one really believed in him. Worked his butt off. I mean, I remember he inspired me so much when on Christmas Day, he scored the game-winning touchdown with 10 seconds left against the Ravens for the Steelers to win the division. Yeah. I remember a year later running on the treadmill and it was a, a, a sprints workout and it was like elevated to like level seven. And they're like, all right, we're gonna go for three minutes and I'm dying. And I just had the picture of Antonio Brown in my head, putting the ball over the goal line to win. And, and he was my model of toughness and grit and inspiration. And all of that is gone now. Like yeah. that's not his thing. And it's a shame because he was so talented. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a social media. I don't know if it's, he just seems, he seems to have gotten so distracted and worry about everything else than, you know, his play on the field, uh, from the cryotherapy, you know, craziness in, in Paris, uh, in France or wherever he was. Um, and then I remember seeing a video of him doing like on his YouTube channel, you know, buying like a million dollar watch in, in Paris and, and, and thinking all that. So, um, and then the helmet situation, you know, I don't know if he's going to be on the field week one, you know, I, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. I give, I give Gruden a lot of credit cause he, he's kind of stuck by him. Um, and hopefully that's going to pay off for him, but you know, it's just very unpredictable right now with Antonio Brown. I don't know what to think of him. He's off my draft board for fantasy. Yeah. 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 No, I can't take him. He's in, he's in my Todd Gurley uh, undraftable. Because he'll he'll drop to the third or fourth round, and you'll sit there, and you're like, well, would I rather have Antonio Brown or Stephon Diggs? Or, like, really, I think you'd have to start getting to, like, the, the, the Tyler Boyd category. Right. Then you're like, all right, the risk may be worth it. Mm -hmm. But it's just not worth – because even Stephon Diggs would have more value to me from a consistency standpoint than the headache of Antonio Brown – Will he be starting or not? And that's not something I want on my Sundays. I yeah. want smooth. I want to enjoy it. Yeah. It's easy like Sunday morning. Exactly. Like, is he going to show up every week? I have no idea. So you talk about a year and a half. I don't even know if he's going to make it into week one. I don't know <laughs> if he's going to make it through the season. I mean, right now, I can't say he, he, he's going to. I agree. It's crazy. And on that note, Seth, uh, thank you very much for having me in your humble abode here. Good to see you. At in, Diesel uh, Films. Good to see you in L.A., man. Where can everybody connect features. with you and Diesel Films? Uh, at Diesel Films everywhere. Best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn, Seth Shapiro. Um, I have a pretty good profile on LinkedIn, I think. <laughs> People can find me pretty easily there. Yeah, that's a great way to connect with me. Although I feel like, uh, I don't know if this is on topic or off topic, but I feel like the spam has gotten more uh, 
rampant on uh, LinkedIn. Which is what I actually like because it's an opportunity. So do I like spam? No. But when you do things the right way, it allows you to stand out and connect with the right people. That's true. But I agree. It's very rampant, but that just allows the best of the best to rise to the top. I love it, baby. And as always, you can connect with me on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy. I would love to hear from you about this episode. Do you have any fantasy football thoughts, Antonio Brown thoughts, or content creation thoughts? Hit me up. I'll share anything awesome that gets sent in. And boom goes the dynamite.